Yo, what is going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Clutch Pod. As always, I'm your host, AB. This is episode 36 of the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at clutch underscore pod. So, the Premier League season has just got underway. 16 of the 20 teams have all played their first game at this time of recording. Um, So, this podcast, it was initially meant to be a Premier League preview, but I didn't get to record before the um first round of fixtures. So I'm guessing it's I'm guessing it's not too late to do the preview. So I'll do like my predictions for top four, who will get relegated, and briefly go through some summer signings for certain teams and look ahead to this weekend's Premier League fixtures. But before we do that, let's recap on last weekend's fixtures. So, kicking off the Premier League season on Saturday was Fulham against Arsenal at Craven Cottage, a London derby. Fulham back up in the Premier League after spending one season in the Championship. Big up Scott Parker and his boys for making that straight comeback to the Premier League. We all know that that isn't easy at all. I mean, the Championship is one of the most competitive leagues there is like in world football. Like I stand by that because it's just so tough to get promoted from that league, especially when you go straight down. Like look at teams like Sunderland, Blackburn have been in the Championship for a little while, and Middlesbrough, Nottingham Forest. All these teams were like Premier League clubs, like like with heritage. And now they've made that drop into the Championship and made some of them even down to League One. And look how they're struggling. That being said, they did just get brushed aside by Arsenal losing 3-0. Um, Aubameyang getting on the score sheet. Gabriel getting a debut goal. The centre-back they brought in from Lille, I believe. And also Alexander Lacazette scoring. So yeah, comprehensive victory for Arsenal. They played really, really well. They've got that big news that came in yesterday, I believe. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang signing a three-year contract extension. That is huge for them. They celebrated that like it was a new signing. And to be frank, I don't blame them at all because goal-scoring machine, he's guaranteed to get you at least 20 goals in the league. So that is a big, big move for them considering that they can get him locked down to another contract. Big win for Arsenal. Obviously, it's still early in the season, but they're looking good. I see them stringing passes together. They're really trying to adapt to the system that Mikel Arteta wants to play. Um, keeping possession, stringing nice passes around. So, yeah, they're looking good. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the Europa League this season now that they're back in there and what they can ultimately do in the league and if they can balance the two well. Because, obviously, we all know the Europa League playing Thursday nights and Sundays in the Premier League is not easy, especially when you've got to go countries like Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, all them places there. Do Arsenal have the squad for that? I don't know, man. But we'll just have to wait and see. But, yeah, it's a great, great start for them. As for Fulham, from when I saw the team sheet, I was not convinced at all. I mean, obviously, their last stint in the Premier League was absolutely awful. They brought in about, like, 10 players on big deals, big wages. Andre Frank, Zambo Anguiza, Jean-Michel Seri, um, Andre Scherler, who has since retired. Like, they brought in so many big names and spent a lot of money. It didn't go well for them. So, this year, I think they've tried to tone it down. They only made a few signings. They brought in Anthony Robinson, the left-back from Wigan. They've brought in um, Mario Lamina. They've brought in also Ola Aina from Torino. He used to play for Chelsea. And they brought in Alphonse Ariola on loan from PSG. Mitrovic didn't start for them. Abubaka Kamara did lead the line for them. And that's when I knew that they weren't going to win this game. Nothing nothing against Abubaka Kamara. He's actually one of my guys. I've watched him a lot at Fulham over the years. But that team that they put out, that is not a Premier League team at all, man. You need more, more Premier League caliber players. I mean... Yeah, they need to sort out their defense because that's them. That was their Achilles heel last season. They com- they conceded way too many goals. So it'll be interesting to see what moves they will make until the end of the transfer window. But yeah, as for right now, even though I didn't tip them for relegation because they have got players that can score goals for them in Alexander Mitrovic and players who can create in Tom Kenny. But right now, it's looking a bit tight for them. Still, they need to get Mitrovic back into the starting lineup. I did see he started and scored in midweek in the Carabao Cup against Ipswich. So they'll be they'll be happy with that. Hopefully he can get starting for them straight away because Mitrovic is one of the better strikers in the league, I believe. But yeah, that's the Fulham Arsenal game. Then a three o'clock kickoff was at Selhurst Park. Palace hosting Southampton. Fred Zaha starting off the season with a goal. Big up him. We all know that everyone and their mother knows that Zaha wants to leave Crystal Palace, but they haven't found the right 
find the right suitor for him. But he- big up him, head down, he's playing his football. Last season, it wasn't the greatest season for him. I believe he only scored like four goals. So yeah, obviously with that transfer speculation, that did kind of mess with his head. But big up him because he still had the right attitude, still w- went training, still done his thing. But yeah, um, hopefully he does leave Palace, man. I want to see him... I want to see him. I want to see him get a new move elsewhere, where he can really like showcase his talent. Because there's no doubt he is a very, very talented player. And at his age, 27, he needs to really try to go to a club where he can compete and win trophies. But yeah, nonetheless, Crystal Palace did get the win against Southampton. Southampton ended the season last year on fire. Danny Ings, what a season he had! 20 odd goals for them. Che Adams really started banging goals as well towards the end of the season. And that's how they're going to be playing that 4-4-2 with Adams and Ings up top. Hopefully, Che Adams does have a better season this year than last year where he only scored like four goals. And that all came in the last like couple weeks of the season. So, yeah, moving on. The last two games of sat- last Saturday, Liverpool hosted Leeds. Leeds, their first season back in the Premier League since 2004. It's been 16 years in the championship. Mad. Dave, their fans have been through a lot. But they're back where I do believe they belong. And that's coming from a United fan. So you know that I meant that genuinely. But yeah, they lost a thriller at Anfield losing 4-3. They did not deserve to lose. But this was a welcome to the Premier League moment. No matter how good you play, it's about the results. They did peg back Liverpool three times. But they did lose 4-3 due to a late Mo Salah penalty two minutes before the end of the game. A gut-wrenching defeat for Leeds and Marcelo Bielsa. But yeah, Liverpool, they're looking very, very shaky at the back. I'm going to do my top four predictions after this. But I did predict that this will be a down year for Liverpool. A down year being that they will win the Premier League title. I've got them finishing third, actually. I believe that because they've been at the top of their game for the past three years, I believe. Well, two years for sure. Obviously, they missed the title by one point, but they played exceptional football in that season. They won their league last year, the the champions. But I do believe that the wear and tear does begin to show after like the third year of you being great. It's very, very hard to be a, out, a great team for three years in a row. Um, and they haven't brought in anyone off who can really like break into that starting eleven. I know they they've agreed a fee for Thiago. That will be a huge addition to the squad, especially in that midfield. That's the one place everyone knows that Liverpool needs strengthening. In the creativity there is not really in is not really that great, especially when you've got guys like Wijnaldum who haven't assisted a Premier League assist in like two seasons. I was shocked when I saw that stat. I had to really go and fact check it, but it's actually crazy. So yeah, Thiago will bring in that creativity in that midfield and really bolster it. So. I'm really, really excited to see what he can do in the Premier League. He's been linked with a Premier League move for years now, especially with Manchester United. But obviously, Man United are linked with the whole world, so I, ne- I never really bought into it. But yeah, they won that game 4-3. Mo Salah starting off the season on fire, scoring a hat-trick. And Virgil van Dijk getting on the score sheet. Patrick Bamford scoring four leads, as well as Klitsch and Jack Harrison. I believe it's a big season for Leeds. A lot of people have tips them to finish mid-table or to avoid relegation completely because of the style of football and the football mastermind that is Marcelo Bielsa. Um, I do have them avoiding relegation, but a lot of people likening them to Wolves. I don't really think that they will finish as high as Wolves have in the last couple seasons. Um, but yeah, mid-table finish, I think they'll finish between like 11th and 14th, something like that. It should be an exciting, exciting team to watch Leeds United, man. I look forward to seeing them take on the big boys. And the last game on Saturday, West Ham, their troubles have continued. They lost 2-0 at the London Stadium to Newcastle United. Callum Wilson and Jeff Hendrick, the two debutants, both scoring goals. Newcastle bring, I mean, Newcastle bringing in Callum Wilson from Bournemouth, relegated Bournemouth for 20 mil, and bringing in Jeff Hendrick. Before I go on to West Ham, Newcastle United, really, really um, hot and cold season for them. We all know that proposed takeover bid from a Saudi billionaire didn't go through. That has left a lot of fans really annoyed. Obviously, they didn't really like the appointment of Steve Bruce in the first place, considering the fact he managed their bitter rival Sunderland. But you know what? They've bought really, really well this window. I've been really, really impressed with the players they brought in. Like I said, they brought in Callum Wilson. They needed goals. The white girl is out to the new year. Andy Carroll is a meh. Uh, Andy Carroll is just Andy Carroll. He's not going to bang in them goals. I think he's passed it. 
and um, Joel Linton. They spent 40 mil on him last season for him to score like what three goals. So that that's clearly been a miss for him. He looks like he's lost confidence as well. So Callum Wilson, Premier League proven goal scorer, great bit of business for them. 20 million as well. They brought in Jamal Lewis from Norwich, bright young English fullback. 15 mil, great business as well. And they brought in Ryan Fraser from Bournemouth on a free transfer. So that is excellent, excellent business for Newcastle. I'm really, really pleased with how they have um, approached this transfer window. And I expect big things from them. I expect better things from them than last season, to say the least. As for West Ham, another defeat. Well, I say another. Obviously, it's the first game of the season. But the way their season went last season was very, very poor. A team of West Ham United stature should not be battling relegation, but that is what they went through last season. And there's been a severe lack of investment as well. I mean, they've only brought in Thomas Susek on a permanent deal. But yeah, he's a solid player though. I like him a lot. But the way they lined up against Newcastle, that game, I was very, very confused because they essentially played three holding mids. They played Susek, Rice and Mark Noble. Like, where is the creativity? Like, it's I don't understand... I don't think David Moyes is going to last long there anyway, man. I'll be, I'll be so real. It's going to be a long, long season for West Ham fans. I'm sorry, you lot just got to knuckle down and just hold on, bruv, because it's not looking good at all. But yeah, moving on to the games on Sunday, Super Sunday. West Brom making their return to the Premier League. They got whitewashed at the Hawthorns by Leicester City. Three goals to nil. Jamie Vardy banging in two penalties. And Timothy Castagne. I don't know if I pronounced his name right. But on his debut, starting off the right way, getting on the score sheet as well. They brought him in for 18 mil. Um, I like Leicester City's recruitment a lot because they've lost some star marquee players in their teams and they've replaced them with players who have equally done the job. Not, if not equally, but have done it to a good enough degree whereby the loss of that person isn't as significant. Obviously, they brought Maguire for 80 mil last season. They brought in Kaglason Yonchu, who has been very, very solid. And now they've lost Ben Chilwell to Chelsea and they brought in this guy who obviously has just been his first game. But he looks very, very decent. So yeah, big up Leicester City's recruitment team. West Brom, I just don't think they have enough. They have Mateus Pereira that they brought in on a permanent signing from, from Sporting. £8 million. He's a dead ball specialist. I watched him a few times in the championship. He can really strike a ball, technically sound, left foot, right foot. I've seen him score a few free kicks. So he looks decent. I believe he'll be like he'll be their main creative force in midfield. But yeah, and they brought in Dianga from West Ham for 11 mil. But yeah, I don't think that's enough. But big up Slavin Bilic though. If there's anyone that can get them out, it may be him. Premier League proven. Obviously, it didn't really go that well with West Ham, but he knows the Premier League. And then the last game on Sunday, Tottenham lose at home to Everton. Everton, another team who have really splashed the cast this window, added some key players to their team their team to watch out for this upcoming season obviously they've got Carlo Ancelotti who in Everton finishing in the bottom half of the table that was the first time he's ever finished in the bottom half of the table in his managerial career he brought in Alan from Napoli he's brought in Hamens Rodriguez who was a real coup at 22 million pounds and they brought in Abdoulaye Ducouré from Watford so that's a great piece of business for Everton they've essentially got a new midfield James Rodriguez, he's a player that I'll be watching out for a lot. He worked with Ancelotti before. But if he can get to the 2015 James Rodriguez, where he scored 17 goals and 18 assists, then Everton are in for a real, real talent. But yeah, Spurs, disappointing 1-0 defeat at home. They've added to their squad. Gareth Bell and Sergio Regulon are imminently about to arrive at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Gareth Bell going back to Spurs since leaving them for Madrid in 2013. That front three, Bale, Kane, Son. Pfft, wow. Electric. That is going to be a front three that... Poof, I don't know, man. I don't know. They're going to be looking scary still. As a United fan, I'm scared still. But then again, I should be scared of everyone because we haven't done nothing at all. But yeah, that front three is looking very, very menacing. Hopefully they can click and work together. I believe Mourinho can sort it out. He has the potential to. But yeah, Spurs looking very, very shape, very, very 
promising front three. They brought in Matt Doherty from Wolves, the right back, 20 million, great business. They also brought in Pierre Emil Hoiberg from Southampton to be that midfield enforcer that Jose Mourinho does also love. So, yeah, it will be a big season for Spurs in the Europa League this season. Mourinho has said every time he's been in the Europa League, he has won it. He's won it twice, once with Chelsea and once with Manchester United. But yeah, uh, moving on to the Monday night football games. Sheffield United start off their campaign at Bramwell Lane. Disappointing, losing 2-0 at home to Wolves. They got hit with both barrels. Two goals coming in the opening. Six minutes, Raul Jimenez with a real, real smart finish. He's such a great striker, Raul Jimenez, man. I like him a lot, man. He's just quality, quality. And then Roman Sice scoring with a very, very good header to put them 2-0 up and to ice the game. Sheffield United... It'll be tough for them to build on their ninth place finish last season. I mean, they surprised everyone. Big up Chris Wilder. I had them destined for relegation last season, but that was not the case at all. They did lose Dean Henderson after his loan deal did expire from Manchester United. They brought in Aaron Ramsdale for 17 mil from Bournemouth. He didn't have the greatest game, I would admit, that game. I do feel like he could have saved, especially um, Roman Sice's header. But it is what it is. And they brought in Efren Ampadu and Jeremy Bogle. As well as some other additions. So yeah, I feel like they'll be good this season. I don't see them getting relegated. They may be in a little relegation scrap. But I don't see them going down. And Wolves, they missed out on the Europa League narrowly. Due to the fact that Arsenal did win the FA Cup. I do believe they'll be in the Europa League next season. I got them finishing in 6th place. Or in the Europa League spot at least. So yeah, big up Wolves. They've had another another transfer window where they have raided um, for Portuguese talent. Nuno Espirito Santo really has that uni days discount on lock for these Portuguese players, you know. Trust me, fam. They brought in Fabio Silva, who's meant to be a wonder kid. They brought him in from Porto. He cost £35 million, so I'm expecting great things from him. Um, I'll be looking out for him. Hopefully, he does have a good season. And then the last game of the this opening weekend was at the Amex Stadium. Brighton losing 3-1 to Chelsea. Chelsea, who have had... I've said this many a times. I think I've tweeted this as well. Chelsea have had, in my eyes, the greatest transfer window since Real Madrid in 2009 when they brought in Kaká, Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo. They have brought in... They have addressed every position on the pitch that they need to adjust. Minus the goalkeeper. But even him... I think they've got a deal lined up for a new goalkeeper. They brought in Kai Havertz from Bayer Leverkusen for £71 million. They brought in Thiago Silva on the free. They brought in Hakim Ziyech from Ajax. They brought in Timo Werner. They brought in Ben Chilwell. And Malang saw a free agent signing from Nice, I believe. A free agent signing. Yeah, so I'm expecting big things from Frank Lampard's men. No excuses. Abramovich has backed him every step of the way. He's brought in the players that he wants. So I'm really, really expecting them to really push on and to build on that fourth place finish last season. I've got them finishing second in the league. I've got them overtaking Liverpool, who will finish third, and I've got Man City winning the league. But yeah, as for that game, they won 3-1. Reese James scored a screamer before Jorginho put them in the lead with a penalty, and Kurt Zuma made it 3-1. Leandro Trossard scored a great goal. Well, it wasn't so great because Kepa should have saved it. I mean, Kepa, we're talking about one of the worst Premier League signings I've seen, especially when you consider his price, the most expensive goalkeeper in the world. He is absolutely, he just stinks, man. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. He's just not great at all. He's not even, not even not great. He's just not good at all. I mean, we talk about David De Gea making mistakes, but God damn, Kepa. At least David De Gea used to be like, at one point, he was the greatest goalkeeper in the world. Like, at one point, innit? But Kepa was never, ever that, bro. He was ne he might never have even been top five. And he cost that much and has conceded this many goals and this many silly mistakes that I think I could save. And I do feel like, at the end of this window, he will be replaced. So, yeah, um, that is the first weekend's Premier League fixtures. Moving on to this weekend... Um, Saturday, we've got Everton against West Brom. West Brom looking to bounce back from that gut-wrenching 3-0 defeat at home against Leicester. Everton looking to secure back-to-back -back wins. The two promoted sides go head-to-head. -head. Leeds United against Fulham at Ellen Road. If it wasn't for the fact that there's no fans, Ellen Road would be absolutely bouncing for their first home game. Absolutely jumpy. But unfortunately, that will not be the case. 
um, both these sides looking to re record their first wins back in the Premier League. Then Manchester United kick off their Premier League campaign at home at Old Trafford against Crystal Palace. United fans, we've been through a lot. I mean, we're angry at the board. Some of us are angry at the manager. Some of us are angry at Ed Woodward. Everyone's angry. We're all angry at something. I mean, we've only brought in one player, Donny van der Beek, midfielder. That's arguably not even a position we needed to address. We need a fullback. We need a right winger, a right attacking midfielder. We need a striker and we also need a centre-back. But we went and bought a centre-mid. I mean, I don't hate it. Van der Beek, I've heard great things about him. Van der Star literally just gave us the alley-oop to sign him. And then Oli said, Bunny, just pull the trigger, 40 mil, we'll get it done. The Sancho saga has dragged on for, this is day 48, I believe, at this day of recording. 48 days and we haven't got anywhere. I've been hearing agent fees will not be a problem. Personal terms have been agreed. No fee has been agreed. Manchester United don't want to pay that. It's as simple as that. They're saying due to the fact that the whole COVID situation and things like that is going to affect their budget, they don't want to pay 100 mil on one single player. Okay, well then, if that's the case, we're just going to fade away into football history. With the great team that once was, we're not going to be that great anymore down the line. This this is a crucial, crucial juncture in Manchester United's history. Jadon Sancho, 19 years old. Um, we all know what he can do. He He's lit up the Bundesliga. Young English talent, hungry, skillful on the ball. He's everything a United player is, but they don't want to pull the trigger because they want to they want to save money. I don't know what is going on with that club, man. Look at our rivals. Look at what Chelsea have been doing. Look what even Arsenal have been doing. Look at what Spurs are about to do. Look what Manchester City and Liverpool have been building over the past couple of years. And then look at Manchester United. It's a disgrace, really. An absolute disgrace. And I don't even want to carry on talking about this because I might just break down on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, Man United hosts Crystal Palace. Whatever happens, I don't even care, man. The team's just getting me mad. <laughs> And then Arsenal host West Ham United at the Emirates looking to build on their 3-0 win against Fulham. On Sunday, Southampton against Spurs, Newcastle host Brighton, Chelsea-Liverpool. That is a big, big game for Chelsea, for both teams actually. The biggest game of the season thus far. I don't want to say it's a um, game to see how far Chelsea have come because obviously it's still early and their signings haven't really developed that chemistry amongst each other especially when you buy so many players or have so many new players into the dressing room it takes a long time for them to really click so I feel like this game has come really really soon for them but it's nevertheless it is a big game and Frank's men will be riled up for this game especially with how these two teams um their last game of the season last year how it went with the whole um Frank Lampard morning that clock that little argument they had on the touchline. So it'll be, a, some, it'll be one to watch, that's for sure. I don't know if Thiago Silva will be fit. He did train today at the time of recording, which is Thursday the 17th. So it'll be interesting to see if Chelsea's big guns can all play or start for them against a Liverpool team who are pretty much the same. And I don't know if Thiago will be signed by this game, but we'll just have to wait and see. And in the late kickoff on Sunday, Leicester City hosts Burnley. Monday night football at Villa Park, Aston Villa against Sheffield United. And then Wolves host Manchester City. That's another big game. We all know the big game pedigree that Wolves do have, but they do seem to shy away when it comes to playing Manchester City. Hopefully that won't be the case this season. So yeah, that is the upcoming fixtures this week in the Premier League. I'm now going to go over what I predict the top four will look like and also the three relegated sides. So I've got Manchester City winning the league. I believe that the step backwards they took last season, that will fuel them to do better. I believe Aguero, Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne, who's fresh off his PFA Player of the Year award, will be the driving force as to why Man City will win the Premier League this season. They've brought in Ferran Torres for £35 million. Obviously, they've lost David Silva, but Phil Foden, he's next up. Obviously, his antics while on international duty with England and Mason Greenwood are not ideal, but it is what it is. They brought in Nathan Ake for £41 million. They've addressed their defensive situation, I believe, although having two left-footed centre-backs playing in the back two is very, very interesting. Not, I don't know a lot of teams that do do that. 
you will say, but it's what about right-footed players? But left-footed players, trust me, I'm left-footed in it, and I've played football. But yeah, like left-footed players, it's, there's just something about us, man. <laughs> I'm not even trying to sound mad, but there's something about us in it. So two left-footed centre-backs. It'll be interesting to see how they do pull it off. Um, Laporte and Ake, I do assume, would be their starting centre-back pairing. But yeah, um, nevertheless, solid, solid signing. Nathan Ake, a player I like a lot. A player Oli did say he wanted to sign, but like every player that's linked with United, he ends up going elsewhere or signing a contract extension. So yeah, Man City winning the league. I've got Chelsea storming to second place. Then I've got Liverpool finishing in third. And <laughs> at this point, it's probably biased hope more than expectation. But I've got United finishing fourth. Um, just clinching onto a Champions League place in the Europa League, the two fifth and sixth place. I've got Spurs finishing fifth, and I've got Wolves finishing sixth. And then, so yeah, no European football for Arsenal, I predict, and no European football for Leicester, unfortunately, and also Everton. Relegation battle wise, I think Southampton will go down. I know they've got the goals in Danny Ings, but I do, I just don't feel like that squad is good enough to really really survive in the premier league i know you're looking at me like this is mad like look what they done towards the end of the last season but it is predictions at the end of the day and i feel like they only brought in more salisu i sent it back for 10 million pounds um danny ings it'll be very very tough for him to display his last year form this year and essentially he's the only one that they have been going to four goals Che Adams, as I said, he didn't have a great season. He only started to score goals towards the end. And Shane Long, he's just passed it. I just feel like it won't be a good season for the Saints at all. Um, another team I've got going down, West Brom. I just don't feel like their team is good enough to survive in the Premier League. They don't have enough Premier League caliber players. And I just see them going down. And I've got Graham Potter's men going down as well. Brighton. Um, same thing, I just don't feel like there'll be enough goals in that team for them to survive and I don't feel like they'll be as solid defensively even though they do have um, Lewis Dunk who I like a lot but at the end of the day he can't save all the shots or tackle every single player in it so I've got Southampton, West Brom and Brighton going down Golden Boot, I've got Sadio Mane winning the Golden Boot for Liverpool I feel like he would have another Decent campaign. He did win the Golden Boot two seasons ago where he scored 22 goals along with Aubameyang and I think it was Salah. So I feel like he'll be the outright Golden Boot winner this season. Um, and I've got Kevin De Bruyne winning back-to-back -back PFA Premier League Player of the Year awards as he fires Manchester City to the Premier League title. So those are my predictions. This is the Premier League segment. Collapse Pod, as always, much love for your support. This is episode 36. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Clutch underscore pod and also on Instagram at Clutch underscore pod. I'm going to move on to the NBA segment now. Moving on to the NBA segment now of the podcast. Wow. Um, it's been a long time since I've recorded, a month to be precise. It, there's been a lot of inconsistencies with my uploading. I do apologize, but there is a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I do need to sort out in order to be uploading podcasts regularly. It does hurt me a lot not recording these podcasts, especially with what's been going on in the Orlando bubble. So I'm going to just start off with the breaking news or the biggest news of the bubble thus far. The Los Angeles Clippers lose in the second round to the Never Nuggets in seven. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George failed to bring a championship to LA and they failed to even make the conference finals. The Clippers have never made the conference finals in their franchise history, which is over 50 years. A disappointing, disappointing end to their season. I mean, a lot of teams have fallen short in these playoffs in the bubble. The Philadelphia 76 is getting swept in the first round. The Houston Rockets going out sad in the, in the um, second round against the Lakers. And also the Milwaukee Bucks losing in five against the Miami Heat in the second round. But this, this right here, this is just the... This just takes top spot. The Clippers essentially just said, hold my beer, lads. And 
They went on and lost to the Denver Nuggets in seven. Bitterly, bitterly disappointing. I mean, Kawhi Leonard in that game seven, one for 11 in the second half. He shot six for 22 from the field. This is a guy who a lot of people claimed was the best player in the world. I was not one of those people. I was one of the players that said LeBron, I was one of the people that was screaming that LeBron James is still the greatest player in the league. Kawhi Leonard, he had a great, great run with the Toronto Raptors, narrowly beating my Philadelphia 76ers in seven before just dealing with the injury hit Warriors in the NBA Finals. But yeah, he, I always said he was not the greatest player in the league. And essentially he went and proved me right because that performance, when all eyes are on you and you go and perform like that, I mean, it wasn't just him, it was the team as a whole, but he's supposed to be the superstar. He's supposed to be that guy to bring them the championship. And for him to perform like that is unacceptable. I mean, he he went missing in the fourth quarter. Paul George, Paul George was the predominant reason why I said the Clippers were not winning a championship this year. I said, that guy, I do not trust him in the playoffs at all. I've been screaming this ever since they signed with the Clippers uh, in the off-season. I've said that, listen, Paul George is not that guy in the postseason. He just does not turn up in the playoffs. I mean, in that game seven, four for 16, he started off 0 for 5 from the field. As soon as he went 0 for 3, I knew, I knew it was over. I knew they stood no chance. Um, 2 for 11 from 3. And no points in the fourth quarter. Absolutely horrendous display, man. I mean, they need to start holding these two stars accountable. Because if it was LeBron James that had done this, the, the slander would be non-stop. I mean, they still critique him to this day for that 2011 finals performance against the Dallas Mavericks. So we need to hold Kawhi Leonard to that... Um, we need to hold him accountable for these performances. I mean, it has to be probably one of the biggest meltdowns I've witnessed in NBA history. Obviously, I haven't been watching the league since like the 80s and that. But from what I've seen, I've never seen a player just wilt under pressure like that before. A superstar at that and just essentially just crumble down. Um, on the other side, though, i got to big up the Denver Nuggets. I mean, back to back recoveries from going 3-1 down. They've done it against the Utah Jazz. They've done it against the Clippers. You, that team just never says die. Jamal Murray, what a star he is blossoming into. I mean, they gave him that max that's going to kick in this season, next season, sorry. And I was like, mm, is he really that guy for the Denver Nuggets? But listen, he shut me up. I mean, he's shooting 50% from the field and 50% from free in the playoffs. I mean, that's when, where do you hear of that? Where? Or who do you hear that from? Like, it's just amazing. So big up them. Big up Nikola Jokic. He was an unstoppable force in that series. They just couldn't guard him. Tress couldn't guard him. They put PG on him. He couldn't guard him. He was just literally just running the show. I mean, he took what? How many shots did he take in that game seven? He took like 13 shots and still he was the most impactful player on the floor. On the floor. 22 rebounds. 13 points. 13 assists, 16 points, sorry, 13 assists, a triple-double. I mean, as a Sixers fan, boy, he's really laying that claim to be the best big man in the league. I mean, at this point, it's probably almost unanimous. I've got to say, in the postseason, there's there's nothing I can say, really, but he's probably the great, the greatest passing big in NBA history and probably the greatest big we have in the league today. But yeah, even the role players, Paul Millsap, listen... Game five, Paul Millsap in the third quarter, he absolutely lit it up. I mean, he was hitting threes. He was really get. He was really scoring bucket. He was that driving force in the comeback in that game five. I mean, credit him a lot. He's really um important to what the Denver Nuggets try and do. That's why they accepted his team option of thirty million dollars. I mean, when I first saw that, I was thinking Paul Millsap thirty mil a year. But yeah, he's really proving me wrong. He's a great glue guy for them. And yeah, big up him, man. Big up the Denver Nuggets. I mean. Um, Gary Harris, he hasn't had the greatest season offensively this season. He's been coming under much criticism. He's hit some really, really big shots for them, especially from three. Michael Porter Jr., what a guy he is. I mean, he openly came out and criticised the coach for saying that they need to go to him more. They're only going to Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And he comes back and hits a dagger three late in the game. And he just plays absolutely great, man. Big up Michael Porter Jr. Um, yeah, the Denver Nuggets... What a great, great fate for them going back to the conference finals to take on the Lakers. With that being said, <laughs> I don't want to count them out because they've gone through a great journey. But I do. I feel like the Lakers are going to sweep them, man. I mean, 
You, you're telling me, yeah, LeBron has a chance to win a ring without going through the Clippers? Boy, LeBron will buy a hand at that opportunity. I feel like the Lakers are going to sweep the Nuggets and advance to the NBA Finals where they will beat the Boston Celtics or the Miami Heat. Um, but yeah, I feel like the Lakers, I did have the Lakers winning the championship all along. I've been saying this from the se- from the beginning of the season. I've got the Lakers winning it, especially in this bubble environment where it takes a lot of mental toughness. I feel like LeBron James has that in abundance and I do feel like the Lakers will get the job done. Ring number four for LeBron James. It will be an excellent feat. Him and Anthony Davis winning their first championship together as a pair um, Dwight Howard possibly getting his ring. Rajon Rondo getting another ring. Obviously, I'm speaking way ahead of myself in it, but I'm just saying hypothetically, it's um it's a championship that answers a lot of questions. I mean, Dwight Howard, we all know the type of c- career he's had, especially in Orlando. He f- he's fallen off a bit, but he's come back to the Lakers. He's found his role, and um a ring for him will do a lot of justice for his career, man, because he is not that flat Hall of Fame. Um, he's a flat Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. But yeah, let me not get too ahead of myself because they do have to go through the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Despite the fact I predict that the Nuggets will get swept, I do feel like um, it's been an incredible, incredible journey for them. And the fact that they're still very, very young is very, very promising. I mean, the only player that have that's the only player they have that's in their thirties is Paul Millsap. Literally everyone, Jokic is at 25, 26. You've got Jamal Murray, who's at 23. You've got Bol Bol, who's coming up. Obviously, he hasn't had a lot of playoff minutes at all, but he's looking like a real star, especially in those scrimmages and the seeding games. You've got Michael Porter Jr., who's looking like a, who's looking like a real talent offensively, at least. Gary Harris is their best perimeter defender. Tory Greg is a player I like a lot. Jeremy Grant is a real, real talent. So, yeah, they've got a real, real squad on their hands and they can be a force in the Western Conference for many, many, many years to come. Um, Moving away from the whole um, Nuggets-Lakers Western Conference Finals, I don't want to go back on the Clippers, but listen, it's been... uh, They went out extremely sad, I have to say. I don't know anything that's going to as sad as them. I mean, they've been barking and barking all season about we've been hearing how they have these dogs. They got, they got these dogs, these dogs. You're Marcus Morris. I'm thinking these guys, they're not they're not about it, man. Patrick Beverly, uh, uh, Marcus Morris, um, Trez, Lou Will was very, very disappointing. He's a player that hasn't been that great in the playoffs in general, especially this season. The whole Lemon Pepper Lou fiasco didn't really work out for him. Montres Harold did win um sixth man of the year. Big up him for that. But he wasn't all that. Um yeah, man. They need really, really need to reassess. A lot of people have been calling for him to lose his job. I don't think he'll lose his job. Um, but I do feel like they do need a reshuffle. I mean, Montres Harold gonna be a free agent this offseason. I don't know if any team's offering him a max contract or anything close to that. We'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, this team has gone out really really sad and when you consider what they gave up to acquire Paul George all those picks and those pick swaps to OKC plus they gave up a young stud say Gilgis Alexander and a solid solid player in Danilo Gallinari boy and when you consider the fact that Kawhi and PG could be possibly be free agents at the end of next season this could really really backfire we could be looking at like a Brooklyn Nets situation where they gave up all those picks for KG Paul Pierce and Paul Pierce so, yeah, I don't want to wish that upon the Clippers, but it's not looking good at all, man. It's not looking good. Just goes to say, show you got to be humble. I mean, all that talking they were doing, all that Marcus Morris laughing, saying, uh, whatever, Clippers in six under Luka Doncic's interpost. And then you've got um, Paul George saying, um, you're getting sent home to Dame Lillard. This is why uh, Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, this is why they went all out on that Insta rant, on that Twitter, social media rant. The night the Clippers um, got eliminated. Because at the end of the day, you can't be talking about fellow NBA professionals like that. Especially Paul George, someone who's won literally nothing in his career. He's not a winning player. I mean, he wins regular season games. Cool. He's got a couple all-star nods. Cool. All-NBA nods. Cool. Most improved player. Cool. But in the playoffs, when the lights are the brightest, you just will away. You will away. So for you to be talking smack to anybody, especially someone of Dame Lillard's caliber, I really don't know why you would go and do that. But yeah, I guess it's a lesson learned for the Clippers. And I guarantee now they're going to bow their heads in shame and go about their whole um, season next year in in efficient inefficiency. But 
it's really, really sad the way they went out. But yeah, let's move on, though. Let's switch conferences. We'll move on. Move cross-coast to the east. So the Miami Heat, boy. I mean, big up them. Those are real dogs. You're talking about dogs in, in LA? The real dogs, they're down in Miami. I mean, your Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolscher taking the taking the throne, your Pat Riley from the from above. Not like not that he's dead, but he's watching from above, in it. You got your Kendrick Nerns, Bam at the Bios. Like, those are real dogs. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, he might have the clutch gene. I can't lie, man. I mean, as a rookie. He's gone 14th in the draft from Kentucky. And the shots I've seen that brother make in the playoffs when the lights are brightest, he might just have the clutch gene, man. He, I like him a lot, man. He's a he, he's Tyrone Hero, bro. Ty, that's Tyrone Hero. You got to put respect on his name, man. But yeah, big up the Miami Heat. I mean, they dealt with the Bucks in five. They Yanis had no answer when they put up that wall on the free throw line they had he had he couldn't do nothing no spin moves and dunks no euros and dunks none of that that wasn't happening at all so yeah they dealt with the box in five um box went outside obviously Yanis did suffer that injury in game four and didn't play in game five so that's just unfortunate but i do still feel like the miami heat did have the series one at that point yeah, they're currently playing the Celtics. They've won game one. Game two is tonight at this point of recording. So, yeah, big up them. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough series for them because the matchups are completely different with regards to playing the Bucs compared to playing the Celtics. Celtics are very, very wing-heavy, whereas the Bucs were big-heavy. Um, Jimmy Butler, he really, really is that guy. Obviously, he's been criticised a lot for his attitude, the, fact, the way he is, the fact that he holds a lot of people accountable um some of the way the way he comes across but jimmy butler is that guy yeah he's just a winner he just tells you how it is um i like him a lot man his mentality i really really miss him in philadelphia man i mean he's now in a place where they believe in him they back him all the way and where he can be himself essentially and look at how he's flourishing so big up the miami heat man i wish them all the best it's the team that i like i like a lot the culture there the mentality there the way they go about their whole regimes and things like that is great, man. It's a really, really well-run franchise. Big up Pat Riley, big up Eric Spostra. Like I said, they've got the real dogs, not no fake dogs like the Clippers. You've got your Bam Adebayo, who's a very, very versatile big. He can do it all, play, make, rebound. He's not really the greatest at scoring, but he can get to the rim. At least he attempts them. And yeah, he's a really, really versatile big. Very, very good for today's game. Um, I've already spoken on Tyler Hero. He, I think he's next up. I think he's really, really, really going to be a great talent in this league. His playmaking is also very, very underrated. I see him throw some no-look dimes to players who are cut into the basket. He can really, really shoot the ball. He's got a mid-range. He, he's just... I like him a lot, man. I like him a lot, man. Trust me, man. Goran Dragic, though, inserted into the starting lineup, a real veteran in the league. He's really shown a steady head, a great playmaker. I mean, in game one, he scored like 20-odd points. How many game one, he scored 29.7 rebounds, 11 for 19, 3 for 6 from the three-point line. He's just a great level-headed, solid point guard, great ball handling, floor general. I like him a lot, man, Goran Dragic. And yeah... Kendrick Nunn, he hasn't really found his feet, but he did suffer from COVID, so I'm not really looking into that. I've seen what he has done. He was sec he he was he was a rookie of the year finalist, so we all know where his talent level is at. And yeah, I really, really like this Miami Heat team a lot. Jay Crowder, listen, where was this Jay Crowder when Bron needed him in Cleveland? Because I did not see this Jay Crowder at all. But big up him, he's really, really a dead ball, a deep ball threat. He can shoot the ball really well, brings them that toughness. Can guard a lot of players. He's a body. They've been throwing at Yanis for a bit. Him and Bam done a great job at limiting him. So, yeah, he's going to have to um, be matched up against Jason Tatum and or Jalen Brown. So, he has to do his job well. But, yeah, Jay Crowder really played his role well. And, yeah, this team is a lot of thoroughbreds, a lot of hard work, more than talent, I would say. But they do the job very, very well, man. That being said... I think the Celtics winning this series in six, but deep down, I really want Miami Heat to win. I can't lie. I'm moving on to the Celtics, though. Disappointing game one loss. I mean, Jason Tatum, that last second dunk that he attempted on Bam at the bio, that block was just 
I've never seen anything like that in my life. I mean, the way his hand just bent backwards. How did he not break his wrist, bro? I don't know. I really don't know how Bam didn't break his Bam didn't break his wrist, but that's that real African power, West African power. Trust me, I know all about that. <laughs> Disappointing loss, but the Celtics. I do feel like that game seven win against the Raptors in the semi-finals really um should boost their spirits. I mean, they should have won that game in. Essentially, they could have won it in four or even five, but it did go all the way to seven. And they did win that game seven, so I got to big them up for that. They showed mental toughness on that front, even though they did have lapses in concentration, which essentially let let it go to game seven. But yeah, um, I feel like this will be a very, very good series. Marcus Smart, I got to big him up because before he was just known as a defensive player, but he's really added a three-point shot to his game. I mean, game one, he shot six for 13. And he's really been lethal from three this whole playoff. So, big up him. Jason Tatum, we all know what a star he is. All NBA third team as well. Very much deserved. Although, I would have put him in second team. But, whatever. All NBA is all NBA. Um, Brad Wanamaker, good point guard off the bench. Kemba Walker, he hasn't been that great. I won't lie to you, man. I mean, what game was it where he had five points in 50 minutes? He hasn't been that great. Obviously, this is the first real playoff series he's had where he's had real expectations because in Charlotte, like I said, he was a 7th, 8th seed and he'll be lucky to lose the series in 5 rather than 4. But yeah, Kemba Walker, he really, really needs to um, get better. I mean, game 6 in the double overtime against the Raptors, he had 5 points, he played 51 minutes and he went 2 for 11. So that is not the Kemba Walker that the Boston Celtics gave a max to. The Kemba Walker that the Boston Celtics gave a max to is the guy that snatches defenders' ankles with his nasty step backs and drains it from the mid-range. The Kemba Walker that is aggressive, the Kemba Walker that is lethal from free, that is the Kemba Walker that the Boston Celtics gave a max to. So we need to see that Kemba Walker if the Celtics want to advance to the NBA Finals. So yeah, this is going to be a great series. As I said, I do have the Celtics winning in six. I just feel like the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown duo would be too much to stop for the Miami Heat. It's a different matchup compared for, from the Bucks. As I said, the Miami Heat, even though they do play the zone defense, I don't think that's going to work for the Celtics because they have players who can shoot it very well. Especially if Marcus Smart continues to shoot lights out. Jason Tatum continues to... Um, up the points that he's putting up and Jalen Brown has to hit his shots especially from that corner three so yeah that is it I've got the Celtics advancing to the NBA finals to take on the Lakers so yeah for the NBA finals it's an old school rivalry from the Larry Bird Magic John era um, I've got the Celtics taking on the Lakers in the NBA Finals. I've got the Lakers winning in six. I've got LeBron James winning his fourth championship, his fourth finals MVP on his third different team. And yeah, that will be a great, great story to his legacy. So before um, I wrap up this pod, I'm just going to discuss some general news around the league. So there, there are a lot of head coaching opportunities available in the league right now. Um, Steve Nash has gone to the Brooklyn Nets. Very, very surprisingly, a lot of people didn't expect that, especially given the fact that he has very little head coaching experience. In fact, no no head coaching experience. I know he was working with the Warriors as a development guy. So, yeah. Um, but, of course, um, KD and Kyrie did green light it. Otherwise, he would not be there. But, yeah, Nate McMillan has been fired from the Indiana Pacers after being swept in the first round. Obviously, Brett Brown's been fired. Alvin Gentry's been fired from the Pelicans. The Chicago Bulls are still looking for a new head coach. Mike D'Antoni has left the Houston Rockets has not, and is a free agent, has not decided to sign a contract extension. So the Rockets need a new head coach. The Sacramento Kings are still looking for a new GM, although they did announce a head of basketball operations earlier today. Um, Yeah, the Clippers... I believe Doc Rivers will still stay there. But yeah, we've got all these coaching opportunities. Apparently, the Sixers are looking at Mac D'Antoni and Ty Lu, who is currently an assistant for the Clippers as their next head coach. Apparently, Mac D'Antoni is a front runner. I really, really don't know how that's going to work. And I hope that doesn't happen. Because how are you going to go from small ball, the smallest team in the NBA, to quite frankly, literally the biggest team in the NBA, in the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't really know how that's going to work out. And I hope that that doesn't happen, man. Because we still need to f sort out our front office situation. Because 
up till now, it's been a month since Brett Brown's been fired, and they said there's going to look at the front office and reshuffle it essentially, but that still hasn't happened. So I don't really know what's going on with that franchise. Um, the NBA season next season, so the 2021 season, would not start until at least after Christmas. It has been reported, and the NBA draft has been moved up no moved down till november the 18th it was previously meant to be in mid-october so that is the state of play in the nba at the moment i'm gonna go through the all nba teams which were announced last night all nba first team you've got luca and harden you've got yanis ad and lebron james lebron james and anthony davis the first pair of players to be named to all nba first team since steve nash and amari stardemeyer of the Phoenix Suns. Luka Doncic, All-NBA first team as a sophomore. The first player to do that since Tim Duncan. Wow. What great boots to be filling. I mean, Luka Doncic, we all know he's next up, man. He's a real star. He's not even next up. He's right now. That's what he is right now, Luka Doncic. What a talent he is. Big up him. And obviously, James Harden, you got to give it to the boy, man. He hasn't had a great postseason. He's never had a great postseason, I don't think. But... In the regular season, he is that guy. No doubt about it. All-NBA second team. you got CP3, who had a great season with OKC. you got Dame Lillard. you got Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, and Pascal Siakam. Um, I've got a problem with Pascal Siakam being in All-NBA second team. I don't know whether my his postseason play has really... I'm clouding my judgment of him, but I don't. I just don't think he's that guy, man. I don't think he's that guy at all, especially when you consider the season that Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler have both had. And um, yeah, man, I don't think he deserved All NBA Second Team, but he did play well this season. He was an All Star starter, so I get why they nominated him. All NBA Third Team. You've got Ben Simmons, Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, and Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. This guy gets shown a lot of love, man. I can't lie. I'm not a Rudy Gobert. Not that I'm not a fan. I rate him defensively. I like what I understand his defensive impact he has in the game. But what else? What else does he do? He defends and and he hasn't got one post move to his name, brother. One, not one. <laughs> but yeah, he gets all NBA third team. I believe my guy Joel Embiid was snubbed. He had a, he has had the greatest season. He has like what 21 and 11, something like that, and three assists. But listen. Joel Embiid is a better basketball player than Rudy Gobert. We all know this. I believe he was snubbed. But at the end of the day, the voters are the ones who have the say. Um, ben Simmons, though, All-NBA third team and also All-Defense first team this season. It wasn't the greatest season for the Philadelphia 76ers. But for him to be getting shown that recognition, that's something that I appreciate a lot. Still no jump shot. And he's All-Defense and All-NBA team. So what does that go to say about the type of talent that he is? Big up Ben Simmons. That's my guy, my PG. Um, Russell Westbrook, obviously, <laughs> if it was for the... <laughs> postseason play that's getting considered as well he would not be sniffing an all nba team but we have to respect the fact that he was a beast in the houston rockets small ball um reinvention after the capella trade so he deserves that for that production so yeah that's the all nba teams um clutch pod obviously western conference finals begin tomorrow at this time of recording game two of the eastern conference finals is later tonight so yeah just gonna enjoy these conference finals try to bring out the pod at the end of these or even during the conference finals to give my opinions don't forget you can follow me on twitter at clutch underscore pod and also on instagram at clutch underscore pod one last thing before i do wrap up the pod i didn't get to mention this before but i was um given the opportunity to be on nba uk fans live at five um it's the live where i discussed the first round matchups this was um a few weeks ago so yeah i want to big up them for giving me the opportunity don't forget to follow them on instagram at nba underscore uk fans and big up them for having me on there so yeah um, if you want to catch that Insta Live, you can go on their um, on their Insta page and go in their live videos. And it's the Live at 5, Bubble Babble, Volume 4, I believe. So, yeah. Um, much love if you're still listening on at this point, And I will be back soon. Love. <laughs>